This is Listen Up, Home Buyers, the only podcast offering home buying advice and tips from true buyer agents. And now, here's your host, Victoria Ray Henderson. I'm very happy to have broker and owner of Spokane Home Buyers in Spokane, Washington, as our guest for today. His office of four brokers has been representing buyers only since 1997. He's active locally, statewide, and nationally in promoting realtors' professional standards. He's taught over 50 first time home buyer classes for the state of Washington. Welcome, Mike Crowley. Hello. How are things going in Spokane? What's the market like? It's been a crazy couple of years. You know, we're kind of getting a lot of mention nationally. We're a uh, short drive from Seattle, which short is four or five hours. So uh, we have an Air Force base here. We have a new medical school. We have uh, several big hospitals and quite a few colleges. So people are moving to Spokane, and I don't have anybody moving out of Spokane. Wow. So if people leave Spokane, it's usually reluctantly, and it's kind of a it's either a family or a job situation, but mostly it's people moving here for families or jobs. It's pretty yeah. crazy still. Yeah, I've, I've been through Spokane a couple of times, and it's just so beautiful there. I mean, if you're an outdoorsy person, that's a, an incredible place to live. Yeah, it's got a river running through it, uh, lots of lakes. I could be on a lake in 30 minutes if I wanted. Wow. Um, you can be skiing within an hour, snow skiing in the wintertime, and mountain biking, hiking. I can, with within... Oh, two minutes from my door, I can be on trails where you don't even know the city's close by. It's That's nice fantastic. here. Fantastic. So, you know, when people are coming in looking for their homes, whether it's condos or single family or whatever, are you finding that you're having to compete with a lot of other buyers? Yes. I think it's been almost two years since I've written an offer on a single family home that wasn't multiple offers. Wow. So it's, you, you meet your clients and they say, well, gee, why don't we start here when we write an offer? And the answer is, is we don't start somewhere. We write the best offer we can and we hope we get it, get it because they don't come back and counter an offer if you're not stronger than the other offers. When you're sitting down with someone the first time, what's that conversation like? What, do you, what are you talking about? I, I, I tell them we only get one bite at the apple and only they, you know, a lot of realtors lose their clients because they lose the home and the client say, my realtor failed to get it for me. But I'm pretty good at letting the buyers know that it's their responsibility what they're willing to pay for a house. And they have to make that decision on that price. And only they can come up with that price. And if they don't get it, we turn around and we start at the next house. Mm -hmm. So they, in our market, I always, I'm really clear that I've never seen a multiple offer situation where the home sold for less than this price. So if a Mm -hmm. home's listed at 300 and they want to write the offer for 280, I smile. I tell them we're just practicing then and Mm -hmm. uh, we do it. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I think and a little bit over 10% seems to be getting the homes in the multiple situations. So $300,000 homes usually selling close to 330, 335. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you, how do you prepare someone for that? I mean, it's like they're jumping into the rapids. So, so how do you prepare a buyer, especially a first time home buyer for that scenario? I remind them that, you know, adding money on top of the mortgage. A lot of the, I know buyers out there that can barely replace a hot water tank if it goes out, but they're willing to overpay a home $15,000, $20,000. And I try to explain to them that that's not good. Um, it's my clients that have lots of money with lots of resources that are the ones that are saying, nope, we're not going to pay too much for a house. And there's a reason why they have more resources than other people because they make better buying decisions. Mm-hmm. So it's really easy to throw it on top of the mortgage and say, you know, it's only an extra $6 a month for every $1,000, or maybe it's even $4 a month for every $1,000, but it adds up. And if you have to sell that home in a couple of years and you pay too much, 
it's not just $4 a month. It's $4,000 or $6,000 or $8,000 more than you should have paid for the house. And, you know, for for people who are not sure what you mean by throw it on top of the mortgage, can you you explain that a little bit? Yeah, I think they look at it and says, gee, if we pay... Three fifteen instead of three hundred and ten thousand dollars for the home, it's only twenty more dollars a month. Mm-hmm. But it is five thousand dollars more that you owe on that house, and if you have to sell shortly, that's five thousand dollars less you get out of it when you sell it. And it's expensive to sell a home; it costs yeah. about nine percent in our market to sell a house. So when your first-time home buyers come to the table and they don't have a lot of cash, uh, what are some of the strategies that you're using in that scenario? Oh my gosh, it's so hard to beat a cash offer. So, you know, for, for some of my first time home buyers in a lower price range, if I have a client that's trying to buy a home under $200,000 in Spokane, it's going to be a three, four, five month effort. And it's going to be seven or eight different houses we write offers on. And we're going to lose to the cash buyers. Um, there's always somebody willing to pay cash when you have eight, nine, 10 offers on a house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's, there's really nothing I could go to. We don't, most of the sellers in those scenarios are sometimes they're out of town. Sometimes they're investors. It, I can't go and plea with them and say, look at my sweet first time home buyer. Yeah, she's right. pregnant. She's about to have a child. Let them have their house. It's, it's money to them. Yep. For them yeah. to say the certainty of a lot of realtors worry about homes not appraising, but with a cash offer, they don't have to worry about it not appraising. Yeah. You know, when you're working with first time home buyers, you're also probably talking to them about loans and the right lenders. Tell me a little bit about what you're saying to them about that process. I I really encourage them. Actually, I'm probably the worst realtor in the world for you to be a to have a lender that's going to rely on me. I'm not very good at talking people into a particular lender. And I want it just like I want it to be the buyer's choice, what they offer for a house. I want it to be their choice who they choose for a lender. However, I do have three or four lenders and I give them the names and I encourage them that I really, really want to use a local lender. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm and not t- hesitant to, to throw out three or four names of lenders. I do not want them to use. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, they're, and that seems to help. Okay, you know, and you bring up a really good point that I I have this conversation all the time because I'm working in the Washington, D.C. area and someone will say, this online lender promises me a really great rate. And that online lender, you're not even sure if you're going to get the same person every time. Talk to me about how you explain to them about that online lender. You know, whether it be an online lender or a lender that just has a bad reputation, I kind of say the same thing. It's like, you need to choose who you're comfortable with. It's your money. And if somebody's getting, you know, I just have somebody that closed a 15-year 3% interest rate on their house. It's hard for me. Locally, they could have only gotten like three and maybe three and a half, maybe three and a quarter. The good news is it went well. But what I do is I warn them. I say, we will close this loan regardless of who you use because you are well-qualified but when problems come up and they're sitting down in California or Colorado or Florida, I'm not very good at solving them for you. And that's usually part of my job. And so when the problems do come up, they don't look to me as it's my responsibility. They accept mm-hmm. the fact that the reason they can't get into their house on the weekend that we promised them was because they chose a lender that wasn't local. Because they usually do close. There's just yeah. usually more obstacles because there's nobody to go beat on the door and complain to. You know, and here's the thing about, I, I recently I've had a couple of uh, people go with lenders who were out of the area. They didn't understand the jurisdictional addendums. They didn't understand the rules with the condo associations. Long story short, one client, we had to delay settlement for four days. And 
the worst part about it, and our client understood, our buyer said, you know, it's because I chose this guy who didn't understand that I've got a certain amount of, of condo docs I've got to go through and they needed things on their end that they weren't getting. But my point that bothered me was when that happened, I noticed that this particular online lender started throwing everybody under the bus except for them. They would not take responsibility for the fact that they were the reason we were delaying settlement. Of course. Yeah. Nope. And I, I had that just a week ago also. Wow. I'm trying not to use lenders' names here, but we yep. all heard of them. I'll give you another example. Here in Washington, we have two different situations. We have the west side, which is where Seattle is, where earthquakes could happen. They have a warmer climate. They have termites over there and things like that. Here in eastern Washington, we don't have a probability of earthquakes. And we don't have termites because our winters are too harsh. They really don't survive here. It's possible. But in 27 years, I think I've come across them twice. Wow. But if somebody uses a lender over on the other side of the state, all of a sudden the appraisal comes back and they say, oh, we need a full pest inspection on the house and we need earthquake straps for the hot water tank. <sighs> and all of a sudden our, we're asking the seller to do things that the only reason they're being asked to do them is because the lender is not familiar with this side of the state and those things aren't normal requests. And you make an excellent point that can apply variations of that theme all over the country, which Correct. is why we keep telling people, please choose a local lender who's actually right where you're buying the property. Yeah. And it yeah. doesn't hurt if the lender, even though they're not supposed to have communication with the appraiser with regards to the property. Don't, I mean, don't forget, these lenders play golf with these appraisers. They have lunch with these appraisers. They run into <laughs> these appraisers throughout our, a town our size. It doesn't hurt to have a reputation with the people you're doing business with. Yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about when you were talking about people moving to Spokane, and there's obviously a lot of medical stuff and school. Are they commuting out of Spokane to work anywhere else, or are they staying right in the city most of the time? I think they're staying here. Yeah, it's we're not quite close enough to Seattle where people are willing to fly there every morning and fly back. Um, mm -hmm. That's usually people are willing to do that in some communities, but not here. So I think people are working and living here. And, mm -hmm. and their, their commutes, I do have somebody who's about to have a 40-minute commute, um, which is ex which is awfully high for Spokane. Usually it commutes 15 to 20 minutes if you have a long commute here. Oh my goodness, that's beautiful. I know. <laughs> oh my goodness. In DC, middle of the day, it can take you 50 minutes to go from McLean to Bethesda. And yeah, it looks it, awful there. Yeah, it's pretty rough. It can be pretty rough. Um, tell me about one of the more recent transactions you've had where you felt like you really provided your buyer client with some, some good representation and why, the, why that extra mile made the difference. I think mostly my advice is talking them out of a transaction. I think that's where my value comes in more. A lot of realtors are afraid to talk about school districts or crime statistics or the condition of the home. Um, I'm pretty forward with my clients. They say, tell me about the schools here. I'll tell them about the schools. They say, ask about the neighborhood or the neighbors. Um, I think my value comes in my willingness to share anything. I'm, I, I don't have any secrets with my clients and I mm -hmm. think they appreciate that. Mm -hmm. So you're so, pretty transparent. Yeah. And, and you know, some realtors, if you were to be with your realtor and says, what do you think of the roof? The answer they're taught in their classroom is, is, well, I'm not a professional home inspector, but if we buy the house, we'll have one for you. Right. And my answer is, as I've been on, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of home inspections. I can tell them if the roof is old or new, mm -hmm. maybe something in between I can't, but I certainly have an opinion on it. Yeah. 
And so yeah. I don't I don't want them to go spend five hundred dollars on a home inspection to find out the roof only has two years left on it when I knew that when we were standing out in front of the house. Right. I I, I like that so much about the way you work because we do the exact same thing where we are. And I, I feel like again, you're absolutely right. We're not home inspectors, but good grief, we have been on hundreds and hundreds of home inspections. If I'm just standing there keeping my mouth shut, I'm not doing a good job. Yeah, I think realtors, we get paid well for what we do. We should do what we can for our clients. Yeah, absolutely. Getting back to how you compete uh, with other people when you're writing an offer, could you tell me a little bit more about what you do? For example, where we are, we sometimes do a pre-contract home inspection. Is that something that, that is in kind of your your um, your bag of tricks? No. Um, part of that is, is they uh, in Seattle, they do that. They basically inspect the home prior to any offers coming in. Mm -hmm. It might be three or four different inspectors that do it. Right. Um, But not here. You you know, our price point's significantly less than yours. So when we're talking about a $250,000 to $350,000 transaction, the buyer's reluctant to spend four or $500 to have a home inspected when they don't even know if they'll get it. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand that. However, one of our strategies that's worked really well and I learned this on a forum with Neba years ago, was I call it the petty clause, is we are in a multiple offer situation. We're telling the sellers that our buyers are willing to be responsible for up to the first one or $2,000 of anything that comes up on the home inspection. And that takes that uncertainty away from the seller because when they have multiple offers, they can look at four offers and they know what they are dollar-wise. They know as much as they can about you know, the loans and stuff. What they don't know is how a buyer is going to respond after they inspect this 20, 30, 40 year old house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if we take it off the table that this buyer is not going to come and ask you to replace one or two windows because the seals are cracked right. or have the chimney cleaned or have the hot water tank replaced uh, because it's old, it takes that away from them where they understand this buyer is ready to go. And it doesn't take all the responsibility away from the seller because if right. something significant comes up, we want our buyers to be able to walk. But we also want our buyers to be responsible to say, you know what, if we can get this house, right. we're not going to be petty with the home inspection. We we are ready to close. Do you often come across sellers who do uh, a home inspection before they put the house on the property or on Never. sale? Never. Never. Why? It's, they, you know, that's their home inspector. Yeah. And there's, we probably have 25, 30 home inspectors in our market here. There's probably 12 or 15 of them, which I don't really care what their opinion of the house is. I'm still going to have somebody I trust and respect do it. Yeah, but I guess so. I'm looking at it from the perspective, if I was selling my home, I think I'd want to know what was wrong with it. I wouldn't want to wait around until the home inspection to get the shock of my life, you know? I don't think sellers want to know what's wrong with their home. As soon as they do that home inspection, by law, they're required to do everything they know. There might be something that they can't afford to fix. Interesting. They might not want to know about the mold in the attic. It's going to be discovered. I know. uh, They may not want to know about it, but there's a home inspection for a hundred year old home could have a, you know, a laundry list of 45 items to do. And only five of them might be important, but all of a sudden the seller feels I have to fix all of these or I have to disclose them all. And that might be a little exhausting. Yeah. It's interesting. We we do have sellers here uh, in the DC area that will do a home inspection. I don't consider it, you know, a replacement for the one that our buyer will do, but I do love the fact that they've, they've tried, you know, that, they, that they're offering, you know? 
Yeah, no, no, I, I certainly, I, th I think it's nice when they do it. Just don't look at me and say, you don't have to do a home inspection. We already had one done. <laughs> yeah. And I'll just kind of say, yeah, that's nice of you. I'm glad you did that, but we're going to do one also. Exactly, exactly. You know, the best advice I think I give my clients that they always remember is I say, we can be in a hurry to buy in a house or we can be uh, particular, but we usually can't do both. <laughs> Good and, point. And I prefer my clients to be patient I tell them I'm not in any hurry. I don't have to sell your house this week to pay my bills, and I don't have to sell, sell you one next month to pay my bills. So we do it on their schedules, and they always realize that. They never feel like I'm hurrying them, and uh, that's important. And like I said earlier, realtors, when we, when we work hard, we do get paid for what we do, and we get paid well for it. So don't be afraid to ask your realtor to work for you. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, Mike. Mike Crowley, broker and owner of Spokane Home Buyers in Spokane, Washington, active locally, statewide, and nationally in promoting realtors' professional standards. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Victoria. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Listen Up, Home Buyers, the only podcast offering home buying advice and tips from true buyer agents.